Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What goes on at a Jerry Jones sleepover? How do we grade the Mike McCarthy hire and what professional athlete deserves to have the bleep kicked out of them? All right, the shit kicked out of them. Logan Paul and Antonio Brown may soon step in the ring. We'll talk about it on a Tuesday home at home, a radio.com sports original. We're brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Check them out, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter the smartest way to hire in 2020. I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut, Ross Tucker's home in Pennsylvania. This show from our homes to your home markets, local perspective on the big national sports stories. We'll talk about it with Pete Dammel from Yahoo Sports, weighs in on the TUA decision to go pro and not return to Alabama, and is the Rooney rule, complete and utter bullshit. Adam Kilgore from the Washington Post joins us with some stunning numbers on minority coaches in the NFL today. But we start with the Mike McCarthy hire with the most valuable and popular franchise in North American sports today. Jerry Jones gets his man. He's the former Packers head coach who won a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. One word, just one word to grade that higher on 105.3 The Fan. A poll asked this morning, and Cowboys Nation said, meh, M-E-H, meh. They don't think this is a very hot chick, Ross Tucker. How would you grade the hiring of Mike McCarthy? Do you agree with the word meh? No, I don't think so. It's interesting, isn't it, Dave? This is part of the society that we live in, which is that if they had hired Lincoln Riley or Urban Meyer, maybe even Matt Rule, I don't know, but someone who had never been an NFL head coach before, I feel like they would have gotten more credit. I feel like when you are a former NFL head coach, and you've at some point been fired, which, by the way, happens to all of them except for Bill Belichick, except he was already fired. <laughs> so they all get fired at some point. And guess what Patriots fans probably said when the Patriots hired Bill Belichick? Meh. Yeah, I remember when he was with the Browns, went to the playoffs one time in three years. Eh. I, it, it, that's just the way we are. So maybe it's not something, Dave, that talks about society now. Maybe it's just the way it's always been. To me, he's better than meh, right? I mean, if we're talking about ladies and, yeah. you know, let's pretend we're at a, uh, a, a contest, Miss America, if you will, and you're holding up a, a sign of one, two, three, four, five, whatever, all the way up to ten. He's somewhere between a seven and an eight for me. I think he's attractive. I don't think he's a 10. Um, if he was a 10, they would have gone to more than one. First of all, if we're being honest, right? If he was a 10, Dave, he would never have been fired from Green Bay, right? I mean, if he was a 10, he'd still be in Green Bay. So he's not a 10. He's not even a nine. I'm I'm fluctuating between a seven or an eight. Can I hold up a seven and a half? Are you allowed to do that? Can you hold up a seven yeah. and a half? By the <laughs> I way, know. Dave. I, by the way, Dave, I gotta tell you something real quick, okay? Yeah. 2002. No, this is actually 2003. But after the 2002 season, I started the last seven games for the Cowboys. The Super Bowl was in San Diego, San Diego, and it was. The Bucks and the Raiders, and myself and a couple other Cowboys offensive linemen, we rented a beach house for a week. 
So we're all 23 and in the NFL and, you know, hey, let's go to the Super Bowl for a week. Let's go have fun. So we got a house right on the beach in San Diego, right where University of San Diego was. And I don't know whose idea it was. It might have been mine. We got cards, like big oh uh, cards, like pieces of paper. And we wrote one through ten on those cards, Dave. <laughs> and as 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 people... Young ladies would walk by on the boardwalk deal. We would raise up the signs. And, um, you know, it was amazing for the attractive girls because they, they loved it. And although, like, it's funny because even, like, the hot girls – if we gave them like a seven or an eight, they're still not happy with that. No. They're still like, they're still in their head. They're like, why the hell am I not a nine or a 10? Now, there were a couple tens and they thought it was funny and they loved it. The seven or the eights, a couple of them gave us some <laughs> questions and they wanted to know how they, they could become nines or tens. But, um, I don't know a nice way to say this, but there were some that were lower than a seven or an eight. And I don't really feel real good about myself for participating in that part of it. Imagine <laughs> that you're just a young lady walking down the boardwalk, uh, uh, having, having, you know, minding your own business trying to get some gosh darn exercise and you walk by four NFL players or just to, in your mind, four huge dudes that hold up threes. <laughs> okay. I just think, I distinctly remember one of the guys saying, you know, we're all going to hell, right? <laughs> You are. <laughs> it you was are. bad. It was bad. I mean, it was it was bad. I feel bad. Um, you do dumb things when it's a Tuesday afternoon and you're in San Diego and you're a little bored and it's one o'clock and I don't know. I mean, it was it honestly was a great conversation starter. With the eight, nines, and tens. Like, they thought, oh, these guys are hilarious that they're doing this. And, and or they were like, nine, huh? So, like, all right. And if you're a nine, you're hot as hell. So, if you're a nine, you're like, what do I need to do to be a ten? I'm a nine. Like, they're confident. Like, the nines were confident. But, <laughs> Dave, I, I, it hurts my soul now. It hurts my heart to think about <laughs> Some of the, the twos and threes that walked by and looked over and saw us holding a two or a three and then kept walking. Um, I, I feel bad and I think I should. <laughs> you should absolutely feel terrible about that. I am thrilled that you were able to share that story with us. We'll return to Mike McCarthy shortly. A lot of questions. Uh, it is a Me Too Tuesday here on Home and Home. Thank, uh, sponsored by Ross Tucker's uh, charades with the Dallas Cowboys. So what was the lowest score you handed out? And what was the worst reaction you received? Did you get any fuck yous in return? Uh, there, there, I, I don't remember. I mean, this is, what, 18 years ago now at this point? <laughs> 17 years ago? So yeah, I, I yeah. can't tell you exactly. There may have been some zeros given out. I don't oh, think geez. so. I think it was probably twos and threes. Oh. Um, the, the thing is, is like, I'm about to get sad because the, two, <laughs> the, the twos and threes, their reaction hurts because they don't get mad or angry they just kind of put their head down 
and get sad <laughs> and keep walking. <laughs> that was the worst reaction. It would have been better if they had like a, a strong, competent personality and they were like, you guys are pieces of shit. This is <laughs> bullshit. You're pathetic. I can't believe you're like, we got a couple of those. And that was actually okay, because we're like, yeah, you're probably right. This is stupid. Yeah. and But you like that, because at least you know that that person has something to them and some confidence, and they'll, like, fire back at you. The ones that just kind of put their head down and kept walking, oh. that's the worst reaction. That That's Bro. that's when we – that's when I think we were like – after the second one of those, we were like, yeah – should probably stop this. We really should Listen. have just done it. We really should have just done it for the ones that were like sevens and above and gotten their reaction. You know what I mean? Or should have had a floor like five or six. Yeah, yeah. And the floor should have been a lot higher because somewhere <laughs> out there, somewhere out there this morning on Tuesday, January, whatever the hell this is, is a young lady now middle-aged who was destroyed that day, who had just been working out, who was feeling good about herself, who was starting to turn the tide, starting to cut back on the calories, walking down the Broadway and near the beach in San Diego, and she got crushed by a couple of big, studly dudes grading her. Somewhere out there is a devastated woman that you guys held up a three or... Or there's someone out there that you inspired to start working out and start cutting the calories. God, if I could only hear from a woman who you, know you rated you know that Dave, morning. Dave, yeah. now that you yeah. talk about this, one of my friends that was there with me, I bet you he would come on the show. And I, we, we need to do that. At some point, we need to get him on the show. And I, his name's Tyson Walter, played at Ohio State. Probably played seven or eight years in the NFL, uh, Redskins, Texans, mainly Cowboys. And I, I'm sure he remembers it. And he might have a better, you know, better stories from that that day than I do. Uh, so anyway, to bring it back, we'll bring Tyson Walter on at some point. Okay. But to bring Good. it back, for Mike McCarthy, Dave, I feel like I want to put a seven and a half up. And if I had to lean seven or eight, I would go eight. And and here's why. The guys won a Super Bowl. Like, that's the goal, right? And he's already shown he can do it. And he actually did it with a wild card team, which is pretty impressive. They had to win three playoff games, uh, including two on the road, I think. Actually, all three on the road. So that's pretty impressive. So if you start with that, how many guys were available that had won Super Bowls? Anybody other than Mike McCarthy? Was there anybody else available in wanting this job or even a conversation? Like, not Josh McDaniels, not Ron Rivera. So I'm going to give him an eight. I mean, you start with that. You also start with the fact that he has more playoff wins since he got the job with the Packers in 06. 05, actually, but 06 is the first mm -hmm. year. Since 06 is his first year. He has more playoff wins than anybody since 2006 other than Bill Belichick. I mean, that, that, those are pretty good places to start. So I think it's an eight. I think Cowboys fans saying, meh, what I would say to you is, who wouldn't have been a meh? Who would have been better than a meh? Is it meh or meh? It's meh. Who would have been better than meh? meh? I, I think McCarthy's an eight. I think he's a solid eight. Now, he's not a 10, Dave. I mean, he went to one Super Bowl in 13 years with a top five quarterback the entire time. Six and seven, uh, and I think eight, no, six and seven, he had Favre, maybe eight he had Favre. Then he went to Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he had a top five quarterback and only ever went to one Super Bowl and I think only like three conference championship games. That's not a great look for him. He finished seven and nine and then four, seven and one before getting fired. So I think those are negatives, but I'll, I'll go back to the positive side. 
his GM, Ted Thompson, never got any free agents. Never got anybody. Because the negative would be, well, look, they're 13-3 and three without him this year. But you could also look at that and say, yeah, they went out and got guys like Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith, who are kicking some serious ass on the defense. So that, I think, kind of offsets itself. He is hard-nosed. I do think he'll command the respect of the team. I actually would have loved him in Cleveland because I think he's exactly what they needed. I thought either Mike McCarthy or Ron Rivera were perfect in Cleveland. They got neither. So I'll say an eight. I'll give it an eight. How about you? I I hear you. I hear Cowboys Nation with the word meh. I see... Uh, you know, Stephen A. Smith, and I, I see a lot of national commentators getting on the hot take train and ripping this hiring. Rex Ryan said it was a terrible hire yesterday as well. When I first heard the name emerging weeks ago as a head coach, I was probably meh or worse. I was probably at a six. And then I decided to do some work on this and not just have my initial reaction be a word or a, gutter, a guttural feeling. But look up some data. Look up some information. I highly recommend, before anyone judges Mike McCarthy, they read Peter King's extensive profile on him from several months ago, earlier this season, and watch the interview that he had with Mike McCarthy or Tom Pelissaro, who also had a sit-down interview with McCarthy during this season, a year he's called his gap year. That took me from a six to a nine to where I am right now this morning, a perfect 10. And let me explain why. You, you have to grade on what's out there. You can't grade on your dream candidate. You can't have Bill Belichick be a 10 because Bill Belichick's not out there. So of the coaches that are out there today, I have to say Mike McCarthy is a 10. And here's why. If you listen to what he's saying about his experience in Green Bay, he had a chance to reflect on it and didn't just go about his business for this gap year, what he called a gift. He spent time grinding with former coaches in a barn at his home hours after hours after hours, studying game tape from his time at Green Bay, studying video from Joe Montana, from Aaron Rodgers. He broke down every offensive snap of the top 10 offenses a season ago with his group of former coaches who spent time with him at the barn. Every offensive snap. He wants to hire a 12, no, 14-person technology department at his next stop, so we presume that is what he got assured from Jerry Jones. Eight of those 14 people are in analytics. One more thing to pile on top of my perfect 10 this is Andy Reid, essentially. All coaches, to your point, Ross Tucker, have an experience where they get fired. All of us in real life get fired, and you can do one thing or another with it. You can sit back and reflect and learn from it or just dive right into your next opportunity without really giving it some reflection and thought. Mike McCarthy took the other road. I think everything he learned from that experience in this off year is going to make him an even better coach than he was then. And his all-time win percentage, by the way, not just the Super Bowl, not just the 10 postseason wins, is 618. You know who else's win percentage is 618? Andy Reid. No one's calling Andy Reid a bad coach right now. They're calling him a freaking genius who's going to win a Super Bowl. So, too, is Mike McCarthy. He's going to win another Super Bowl. I can't think of a guy I'd rather have out there right now, and that's why I have to say he is the perfect 10. I've been fired many times. I don't think I've ever sat back and reflected and learned from my experience. Something I am doing now, we'll get into later in the discussion. But I want to ask you, Ross, about the sleepover. Because Jerry Jones, 77 years old, sealed the deal with Mike McCarthy at a sleepover at Jerry's 14,000-foot, $28 million mansion in the Dallas area, what the hell to you goes on at a sleepover between a 77-year-old and a 56-year-old? I would imagine uh, a decent amount of drinking, actually. I, I, I would imagine. I, I just don't picture Jerry Jones on a Saturday night. He invites this coach that he clearly likes. And by the way, I'm fascinated by the whole thing. Like, I would love to know, Dave, 
Yeah. The Cowboys obviously knew that they were going to move on from Jason Garrett or that there was at least a good chance of that for a while. So is this a situation where they've kind of known that they wanted McCarthy all along? Because by all appearances, they only interviewed McCarthy and Marvin Lewis. So was it like the whole time they knew McCarthy was kind of their guy and maybe they interviewed Marvin Lewis um, because of the Rooney rule? Or maybe not. Maybe they liked Marvin Lewis too. I don't know. But is this a situation where they knew it all along and so then when they finally started interviewing, they could act quickly? Or was this just like, all right, yeah, let's just call McCarthy and Marvin Lewis and pick one of those two. Like I I would love to know (laughs) – the dynamics there because you didn't hear about any candidates interviewing until they interviewed two on Saturday. And by Sunday, they clearly knew who they wanted. I mean, heck by Saturday night, Dave, he's sleeping over. I mean, that is a heck of a first date. Let me just tell you, (laughs) think about that. I mean, I, I don't know, Matt. I don't know, man, sleeping over on the first date. Uh, but that's what Mike McCarthy did. And I just don't picture Jerry Jones on a Saturday night while he's talking with McCarthy and maybe they've got the Patriots and the Titans going on in the background. I picture him having, I know he famously likes Johnny Walker. uh, What's it called? White label, blue? Blue. Johnny Blue. I don't know anything about that. Tell me about that, Dave. Do you know about that? Yeah, Johnny Blue is the top level of Johnny Walker. Uh, a lot of people I know drink the black. It's just one step below. Uh, there's Johnny Walker Red. To me, I hate all of them. I can't drink scotch. I can't stomach it. I don't want to acquire it. I am a bourbon man, maybe a whiskey man, a rye. I cannot stand scotch. It's just awful. It's a hideous substance. Have you never tried Johnny Walker or scotch in general? I don't think I have. I, I scotch or whiskey. So when I grew up, my dad was a big crown Royal guy. Yeah. And so was one of his best friends. His other two best friends were both doers guys. And just being around and seeing them drink doers and crown (laughs) Royal and the smell of it when you're 12 years old and four, I just, (laughs) and then, you know, you become a, a pledge in a fraternity, Dave. And we had, I mean, we would just pass uh, Jim Beam or Wild Turkey up and down, and we had to finish the bottle before we could even go out. We couldn't go out until the 12 pledges finished a bottle of Wild Turkey or Jim Beam or whatever it was. And honestly, man, it's like scarred me for life. Like, I, I just, I have no interest. Those are both what, like shitty whiskeys or something? Yeah, Bourbon. you know, I mean, wild turkey, I can't, I think it is a straight uh, bourbon whiskey, as is Jim Beam. I too was hazed with Jim Beam. I don't mind Jim Beam so much anymore, but I think I had to take a good 10 or 15 years off of even smelling Jim Beam. Same memories you had. I remember at one point being, yeah, basically forced to finish a handle of Jim Beam with just a couple of dudes. It took me a long time to recover. Scotch is a whole nother kind of nasty though. You really ought to try to revisit some bourbon. I'll send some good bourbon your way. You know, for 45 bucks, you can get a nice bottle of bourbon that might leave you with a bit of a hangover, but feeling, I think, uh, at least enjoying the beverage quite a bit. Here's how I see it going with the Jerry Jones sleepover. Like, Kind of testing Mike McCarthy. Hey, hey, Mike, what do you want for dinner? And Mike's like, how about chicken? And he'd be like, no, we're going to have steak. Uh, What about dessert? Um, Do you want ice cream? Well, we're going to have pie. Obviously, we're going to have pie. You know, same things like, what do you want to drink? Gin. Well, we're going to have Johnny Walker. He wants to let Mike know exactly how the relationship's going to go in the football relationship. You can want whatever the hell you want, Mike McCarthy, but you're working for Jerry Jones now. If I want steak... We're having steak. If you want uh, gin, well, we're still having scotch. But it, it, it certainly is an interesting image to try to 
imagine the sleepover between Mike McCarthy and Jerry Jones. We've waited now too long to get to our radio.com red zone and some local reaction on the hire to Mike McCarthy. Let's listen in on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, always available on the radio.com app. What are they saying in Dallas about this hire? Feels like you guys aren't that pumped. It feels like it's a Jason Garrett comparison. And after having about 12 more hours plus to digest whatever the time lapse was, I, I do feel better about it. Uh, Autoflix season fan text 877-881-1053. Man, this is as polarized as I've seen. McCarthy hiring has me re-energized. You got a Super Bowl winning coach, very good at his job. Uh, let's see. So Dak's just going to go with the plays Rodgers thought were stupid. That's my fear. He doesn't challenge the coach. Mm. Uh, let's see. They jumped the gun. Should have interviewed every single person available. I saw Mac Angle of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, a former broadcast colleague of ours here at The Fan. He wrote on Facebook, the Cowboys hire of Mike McCarthy is a good, safe move, but it's basically a Jason Garrett, but with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Okay, does the new coach get your approval? After the Bears lost and said that I packed all my Cowboys stuff away, that I wasn't watching any more games, and I stuck to that, I'm so excited I can actually watch a game next season. Nice. You know, it's, it's not a sexy hire. It's not a, it's not a fun hire. But if he can make Cheeseburger Eddie be a good running back and turn or help Aaron Rodgers become what he is, I'm excited to see what he can do for this offense. My take on this is you had Brett Favre and Mike McCarthy uh, in that era, that, that, that scheme, all of that worked. And through three or four years, Baron Rodgers at work, but then the league caught up with him. And now he's saying, oh, now I'm going to start doing this analytic stuff. Now I'm going to pay attention. But I, I think when the heat's on, he's going to revert back to just like Jason Garrett, what he knows and what he thinks. All right, that's the radio.com. Red Zone fires up with 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. Disagree with the callers. This is nothing like Jason Garrett. What track record does Jason Garrett have? How many Super Bowls has he won? Look, there's only six head coaches in the game today that have won Super Bowls and only two that have won multiple Super Bowls. And you're not getting Bill Belichick and you're not getting Mike Tomlin. So you want a guy with a ring. Do you want Lincoln Riley to come to town showing you that he doesn't know how to build a defense, showing that he can't compete in the biggest games? Same goes for Matt Rule. What did he just do uh, in, in the big-time spotlight? So, look, this is the best available coach out there, Ross. I don't think you can do better than a guy with a Super Bowl ring who's learned from his mistakes, who is willing to embrace analytics, who acknowledges his offense got stale, and to your point, 13, 18, and one in the last two years. We're all certain Jerry Jones led with that. What did you learn from 13, 18, and one in your last two years? And how do we avoid that? And from what I've seen in all the interviews with Mike McCarthy, check out the one with Peter King. He has learned everything from his mistakes. Your thoughts? Well, it's funny because I saw a friend of mine last night at the Pennsylvania Farm Show. Uh, by the way, I know you saw that on social media, Dave, at Ross Tucker NFL. He's at Dave Briggs TV. We are at RDC home and home. Hopefully you're all following us already. Uh, but he's a Cowboys fan, big Cowboys fan. And I said, what do you think? You excited? And he's like, eh. he said, you know, I'm a fan. So I'm always inherently pessimistic. Like I'm always inherently you know, kind of seeing the negative in things based on the Cowboys the last 20 years. So I'm a little skeptical of that. You know, he had Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers the whole time. Like he had Aaron Rodgers. How could he not win more? I mean, like, is he a really good coach or is it just Aaron Rodgers? And I think that that is sort of the sentiment, uh, which is tough though, right, Dave? Because what are they really saying? I mean, they're putting the standard pretty high then. Not only do we want you to be a proven winner, but you can't be a proven winner with a really good quarterback. Well, it's like, how many guys have done that? I mean, how many guys right. have been proven winners without a really good, like, I mean, Doug Peterson's not available. I know he won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles and won a playoff game, but he's not available. I do think, though, 
when you consider just how bad the Packers were with guys like Brett Hundley, Deshaun Kaiser, it is kind of a bad look for McCarthy on that level that when Rodgers wasn't in, they were horrendous. Now, before that, when they had guys like Matt Flynn, you know, they still won some games. You know, Matt Flynn had some good games, enough that he got a big contract from the Seahawks. So it almost seems like it's more a product of how they were the last couple years than overall with McCarthy. And it certainly felt like his offense, his way of doing things, et cetera, went stale. But again, I like the Andy Reid comparison. Now, will he be Andy Reid? We don't know. But that's that's a good comparison. And right now, it's 54-41 on 105.3. Uh, 105.3, the fans pull. 54% say meh. 41% say they got their guy. Sounds like one hell of an interview that Mike McCarthy delivered. Sounds like a man to me that we should all relate to. We all get knocked down. We all get fired. How do we bounce back? How do we learn from our mistakes? We'll talk more about that later in the program, including more on sleepovers. What do you remember from sleepovers? And what happened between Jerry Jones and Mike at Jerry's place? We'll also talk to Pete Thamel on Tua Tugavailoa. Pete Thamel from Yahoo Sports. Tua Headed to the pros, not going back to Alabama. Did he make the right decision? And who in professional sports needs to have the shit kicked out of them? Antonio Brown might step in the ring with a YouTube star. Talk about all that after a quick break. Two straight NFL postseasons. Legendary quarterbacks in the game left on the sideline in overtime without a chance to help their team. Should the NFL's overtime rules be scrapped? Do they suck? I will argue that. Ross Tucker will argue the other side. He will be wrong. Antonio Brown, is he stepping in the boxing ring with a YouTube star? Logan Paul, who else in sports deserves to have the crap kicked out of them. And Pete Thamel, Yahoo Sports, joining us just ahead with the latest on Tua. Did he make the right call to go pro? Home and Radio.com Sports Original. We're brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Check them out at ZipRecruiter.com slash enter the smartest way to hire in 2020. I'm Dave Briggs in Connecticut. Ross Tucker's in Pennsylvania. We have local reaction to national stories. We'll hear from WEEI on the future of the Patriots organization. Is there a split between Brady and Belichick? Who's deserving of all the credit there? But we start with the overtime rules in the NFL because on Sunday, Drew Brees was left standing on the sideline without a chance to step on the field and win a football game or at least tie a football game just like last season when the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes were stuck on the sideline in overtime without a chance to go out there on the football field and win or tie a football game. So where we are in 2020 with all the technology, college football playoffs, all the innovation in sports today that has made things more exciting for you, the fan, we, the media, and them, the players and coaches, and a fucking coin flip decides the postseason future of an NFL organization, of great quarterbacks, of guys who've worked and grinded and busted their butt all year long for that one moment, that one shot at postseason glory, and a freaking coin flip decides their fate. This system sucks. It has to be scrapped. Each team has to have a chance in overtime. Without that, it's a failure for the fans, and it's a failure for the players and the organizations. Ross, you clearly disagree. Tell me why you're wrong. Uh, no, I, I, we're going to start with what's your solution? What what do you, what would you prefer? Uh, look, I, I need each team to get an offensive possession, period. That is where okay, I okay, start. Okay, uh, okay, okay. You could uh, either... You could either you could either have a 10-minute quarter or just have each team get an offensive possession. What we have now is an utter failure on all levels. Okay, so let's flesh that out then. 
Let's just say the Vikings went down, they scored a touchdown like they did. But under the Dave Briggs rule, both teams get the ball one time. All right. So then let's say that the Saints and Drew Brees got the ball and they went down and score a touchdown. Then they kick off to the Vikings and Kirk Cousins goes down and kicks a field goal and the Vikings win because they got two possessions because they won the coin toss where Drew Brees and the Saints only got one. What 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 did we just solve there? Like, isn't it still unfair? Didn't didn't the Vikings still win because they got more possessions because they won the coin toss? I don't understand. What did we solve there? Well, first off, that wasn't the end of the story. There's a couple tweaks I can offer. One is that if you are the second team to score, you have to go for two. This has to be decided on that second possession. You have to go for the win. So, yes, there is an advantage to winning the coin toss, but the coin toss isn't ultimately going to decide the winner of the game. Or you go to the next level, and after each team gets a possession, maybe each team gets a a two-point conversion straight up. That's it. I want equality on both sides. I want both sides to have the same shot. So say it is tied 7-7 after those first possessions. Next time, two-point conversion to win it. You have to have ultimate equality. And even if that means two or three or four overtimes like we can see in college, that's okay. But in the postseason, a coin flip can't have a decided edge, period. What is your, do you like the existing system? No, I actually preferred sudden death. I I actually preferred sudden death. I think what they have right now is convoluted and I don't really care for it. If I have to explain to my wife what the overtime rules are, I think that's stupid. And this thing right now, like I'd rather have it probably where both teams get possession or sudden death than what we have right now, which is that both teams get possession unless the first team scores a touchdown. That's just weird to me. I don't like the ending when the first team kicks a field goal and then they have to go on defense and then you get a stop. I I, I don't care for it. I never heard any player that had a problem with sudden death, especially now with the amount of touchbacks there are. I mean, you're talking about a game that was, what, 20 to 20 at the end of 60 minutes? So to think that it was like some slam dunk that the Vikings would score a touchdown when they only scored two in 60 minutes, that's just not true. I mean, most of them are touchbacks. You get the ball at the 25. Uh, Maybe you make it so that in overtime, the touchback gets the ball at the 20. Because right now, Dave, and this is the thing that people don't realize, right now, since they switched the rule, the overtime coin toss winner wins at a 52.7% clip in the NFL. 52.7. I mean, that's that's not a, a whole lot. In college, where both teams get the ball and they go back and forth, the overtime coin toss winner... 54.9%. 54.9%. Winning the coin toss is actually more of an advantage in college because you choose to go second. And then when you go second, you have access to knowing whether all you need is a field goal because they didn't score at all or they got a field goal. So you either need a field goal to tie it or a touchdown to win or they got a touchdown. So you need a touchdown to keep it going. There's actually a greater disparity in college football than in the NFL in terms of the success for the team that wins the coin toss. It's very difficult to ever make it 50-50. And I know people that say, oh, they should keep tweaking it till it's exactly 50-50. What I would submit to you is, number one, they had 60 minutes. It was 50-50 for 60 minutes. Number two... Even if they made that touchback the 20-yard line, that probably takes that 52.7 and makes it like 50-point-whatever. And and so you're almost 50-50, but people still wouldn't be happy with that because it's not 50-50 that they want. 
It's the visual of not both teams not getting the ball. That's what they want. They don't want 50-50. Right. They want both teams to get the football in overtime, which, as I just showed you with the college format, doesn't make it more equitable. It actually makes it less equitable. But people are entertained. And your solution, just to, to be real clear on it, the, the sudden death, you just want first score wins. That is correct. It is, oh, first of all, uh, a coin toss by definition is 50-50. Number one. Number two, they just had 60 minutes with which to play. Number three, stop them. It's not the coin toss determining it. It is the Saints' defense that allowed the Vikings, who only scored two touchdowns all game, all game, to throw the ball over their head to Adam Thielen, catch the ball, and score a touchdown. That wasn't the coin toss. That were the 11 players that play for the Saints on defense. Saints were outplayed. Saints were outcoached. Vikings deserve to win that football game in every regard. I'm just about making the game more entertaining, evolving towards entertainment. That's what the college football playoff has aimed to do, not just make the some fairness involved in college football, but make it more engaging and entertaining for the fans. And I heard Pat McAfee on his podcast talk about a system where each team gets a possession and they score, they get a two-point conversion try on their own ends. And then if that's the tie, and then I don't mind this idea, Put it then on field goal kickers who continue to move back five yards at a time. Make me feel like each team gets a shot and the last man standing wins this game of gladiators. Make it more entertaining so that everything is left on the football field and no one is left on the sideline. So, okay, so the entertainment part of it, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think... I think the sudden death nature of it, whether it's the Patriots against the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game last year or what happened with the Saints and the Vikings, I think the sudden death nature of it makes it that exciting. Um, the two-point conversion thing is interesting that both teams – but I don't like anything where – like I've, I, I know what Pat McAfee said and I know what you're saying – I don't like anything where it's that complicated. Frankly, to me, Dave, I like either sudden death or I like college football. And if you're going to do college football, then I would say both teams have to do a two-point conversion on the first try. I, I would like, like to – because I, I, want, I want an ending as soon as possible. And look, I know for my personal entertainment, what do I give a crap anymore? Entertain me. Gladiators stay out there for five hours. But I, I don't think that's fair for the players, and I don't think it's the way it should be. I think the entire point of overtime isn't to extend the action for longer and longer. It's to come to a conclusion that they weren't able to determine during regulation. Interesting discussion. I think we came to an agreement there with the each team gets a possession – both teams have to go for two. I think that would make a lot of people happy. We're going to talk to Pete Thamel in just a minute about Tua Tagovailoa, his decision to go pro instead of going back to Alabama. Did he make the right call in just one minute, Ross? But first, I want to tell you about ZipRecruiter because they send your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. That's ziprecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. 
Who, however, will hire Tua Tugavailoa, the former Alabama quarterback entering the NFL draft? What NFL team will take a major franchise-changing risk on the young quarterback who's having hip surgery will not be able to perform or work out ahead of the NFL draft, but made his decision clear yesterday along with head coach Nick Saban. Let's talk about it with our friend Pete Dammel from Yahoo Sports. Been a while, my friend. It's Dave Briggs. It's Ross Tucker. Before we get into Tua, though, we were just having a discussion about overtime rules in the NFL versus college football. Who do you think has it right? I think college has it better. I don't know if anybody has it right necessarily, because I think in college you get some, you get like a manufactured jolt of entertainment. If like the Troy Eastern Michigan game is going into overtime in, I'm going to go watch because it's just like, it's like a shootout in hockey, but like a little bit more like football. Right. So like, there's like an immediacy of like, Oh my God, I'm going to tune in. Even if I don't care about the teams or like the teams, because it's just like microwaved entertainment, but also done fairly. Um, I do. Uh, I, I don't love like the, the way some of these NFL like kickoff, hold the ball games. And I do think that is like slightly unfair. I would like to see some moderate tweaks in the NFL. What about like giving each team the ball in the 40, maybe like something like something in the, in the middle a little bit. I, I just feel like for the NFL to do that institutionally, there's so much arrogance and ego and reluctance to change that I don't think they would think of something more that would actually be more fun and compelling to the viewers and maybe even more fair to the players. Because like I heard you guys talking about going for two, maybe it limits some snaps a little bit. Um, you know, these, these guys are playing 20 games with four preseason, right? So like, you don't want to, you don't want to just send them out there, uh, send them out there forever. So I like the the modification the colleges did this year um, to avoid the seven, eight overtime games. I think that's good for player safety, but uh, yeah. But who doesn't like overtime? Um, I don't love the current NFL overtime format, but I still do love overtime. And I agree. I, I prefer college. I, I think college is awesome. It's easy to understand the NFL. Yeah. If you need to, like every time the NFL is like, okay, here's the rules again, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It just, I, I don't care for it. Pete, I also haven't cared before we get to the Tua, while we're kind of on this topic of rules and stuff. We talk so often about officiating in the NFL, and yet multiple times in this postseason for college football, I've been very disappointed. I could not believe that they overturned the Jeffrey Okuda fumble against Clemson. I thought it was a clear fumble. He had three steps, almost a four-step. Couldn't believe that they overturned that. And I'm not remembering the exact play, Pete, but there was something in Wisconsin, Oregon that bothered me too. Uh, you probably remember what it was, but there was some Wisconsin, Oregon um, penalty or something, something, some officiating issue that bothered me as well. Has there been a similar uproar in college that there has been in the NFL? And do you think that there would be any tweaks and do you think it's a problem? Well, uh, I can certainly speak with authority on the uh, on the Ohio State play, the Jeffrey Kuda strip of Justin Ross that led to the Jordan Fuller touchdown return that was then overturned. And look, I'm I'm always really pragmatic and very reasonable when it comes to officiating. Uh, former soccer referee myself, so I've stood in between the lines and have a, have a little bit of an understanding of just hey, it's hard, it's hard live. The the thing I can't wrap my mind around on the Akuda strip is how it was overturned. Like, if they had just called it dead on the field, okay, like, I could, you know, all right, I get it. Like, but if you if you overturn that, and there's, uh, what's the what's the phrase? The It's not preponderance of evidence. It's uh, conclusive evidence, right? You have to have irrefutable evidence. There's no way there was irrefutable evidence to flip that call. Like, I thought it was a coin flip call at best, Gun to my head, I would have said fumble and and return. And I thought the refs did a good job of letting it play out on the field and kind of letting replay decide. So I don't know if there's any kind of drumbeat. Officiating in college is a little screwy because there's obviously a national officiating association, but then like the officiating is divvied up amongst the leagues. 
and some leagues have had different replays than other leagues and different things like that. So the, the officiating isn't as isn't as linear in the NFL where it's all under uh, where it's all under one umbrella. Um, but yeah, there was even some calls last night. I'm sure you were both watching the Lending Tree Bowl in Mobile, Alabama last night. Between uh, I, I can tell, I can tell there was yeah. actually like a, a really bad uh, overturned fumble call on that too. And look, nothing's perfect. Even with replay, it's not perfect. I did think I don't think officiating cost Ohio State that game because they had plenty of other opportunities to win it. But I could understand why Gene Smith texted me after the game that he was pissed, and why Ryan Day was said he was angry. Um, because that's that's that is a game changing kind of play that uh, you know that really that really really hurt the Buckeyes. So, I guess here's the other question, Pete, because there's been a lot of conversation about a a so-called sky judge in the NFL that would be able to buzz down when there's something that they should be able to correct or review and college on some level has that, you know, they buzz down and they stop plays. And yet I did not agree with the Okuda overturn at all. Certainly did not think that that merited an overturn based on the standard that you talked about. And then the offensive pass interference against Wisconsin, I I couldn't believe. And I thought that was one that maybe the sky judge could come in and fix, but that's not how it works. Do you yeah, think no the sky judge, right? Do you think that there should be more of that in college, or do you like the college replay format better than the NFL? I, I do, and I think less litigation is just better for the game and the consumer. Because how many games have we been watching now, be, be it pro or college, where it's just this interminable slog of replay and replay and replay? Like, look, like officials are going to make mistakes and we have to accept that as part of it. And we want them to be perfect and they can't be perfect. But I am, I am not for over litigation of everything. I feel like there's enough right now, but there, there will, there are going to be mistakes and it's never going to be perfect. But um, the thing that I want to see, that I want to see more uh, efficiency on and more technology on is the first down marker. I mean, how many spots for the billions at stake, the spot is the most arbitrary thing in football, right? Like guy like looks at the sideline, winds it up. Like it's, it's a complete estimation. It's, doesn't there have to be a better way, especially if forward progress is the rule. Isn't there have to be a better way to say the ball has gone this far forward in some technology that lasers it down. And then we go. Seems to make sense, my friend. A lot of things seem like common sense regarding officiating for all of us, not just the fans, but of course the media, and hope they get some stuff fixed in this offseason. But let's talk about the big story in college football, which of course is Tua Tagovailoa deciding to go into the NFL draft, not back to Alabama, clearly making the right decision. My fear was that he would go back to Alabama. It felt like a guy who had unfinished business in college. The best part of his announcement, though, was quoting Tim McGraw's song, Always Stay Humble and Kind. I love that. That made my day. Anyone who quotes country music in any sports announcement wins in my book, Pete. I don't know what country artist you might quote. If you have one, let me know. But did he make the right call? Uh, I'm probably not your best source for country music quotes, but I will okay. say that he he made the uh, he made the absolute right call. Uh, I, look, we all would have been petrified every time Tua dropped back if he did come back next year. And I do think when that when the no one's really going to know where he's going to get picked until these doctor's appointments come through, right? But the hip the the problem with Tua's injury was like he had a hip injury and everyone assumed it was Bo Jackson, and it wasn't Bo Jackson. They were very clear in saying that it wasn't Bo Jackson after it happened. But that's where people's minds immediately went, right? So if Tua, come, if Tua has a dislocation of a hip, and that dislocation of a hip can, be, can bring him back to 100% or close to 100%, and he can move and throw and dance around in the pocket like he has, he needs to go to the NFL draft. Um, the, the only... If he had not declared for the NFL draft, I would have been in favor of him just working out for the year. I think that's smarter because, look, you hate to say this because he's a brilliant player, but two is fragile. He's had two ankle surgeries. Now he's had a major hip surgery. His body, he has a nice build, but 
when NFL general managers look at quarterbacks, they want a thickness that Tua doesn't have. They want a trunk. They want a back. He just doesn't have that kind of body type. So he already, regardless of anything else, has a reputation for fragility. Fair or not, that is a huge question about Tua. Probably the biggest question about him, um, other than him being left-handed, going into the uh, going into the draft. So I feel like you don't want to give people any more reason to think you may be fragile. Um, the, the next few months are going to be really interesting for him. The, the combine is going to be important for him because he's going to be medically checked. But talking to NFL sources yesterday, the little-known combine recheck is actually going to be what's really important for Tua. All the combine participants who have lingering medical issues are come back to Indianapolis in April. It's not a formal thing. There's no media there, um, or there may be this year. Uh, and, and you just go back and get reevaluated. By mid-February, late February, when the combine happens, we're probably not going to have a clear picture of Tua's future. We may get a portrait of how he's recovering, but the, he said a three, four-month window in, until they can really know. By early April at the combine recheck, we should have a pretty good sense of where Tua is. And I think if he is healthy and cleared, and again, those are all very nebulous terms. What do those really mean, right? Um, basically, if a team feels he's healthy or is cleared, he'll go in the top 10. Pete, how close was he to coming back? Because it sounded like there was a lot of buzz that maybe he would, and people were starting to think, oh my gosh, he's going to come back. Was this really like a tough decision? Was he close to, from what you've heard? It was It was a tough decision. Um, you know, in talking to Alabama officials in the weeks leading up to this decision, there was an undercurrent of optimism that he, w- that, that, that he could return. Um, I had a source there tell me it was 50-50 two weeks ago. And I think there was part of him that wanted to return. He sees college football as his platform, a lot like maybe Tim Tebow saw college football as his platform. Remember, he famously returned for his uh, for his senior year and won a national championship at Florida. Um, I mean, you saw at the end of that press conference, other than the Tim McGraw quote, uh, when he said, uh, God bless Roll Tide, or Roll Tide, God bless, I forget which one. But that was clearly his, that was clearly his sign-off to, uh, he said, one last time. To all his uh, to all his press conferences and look, being the quarterback at Alabama is a powerful thing. You could argue that being the quarterback at Alabama gives you a bigger platform than half the quarterback jobs in the NFL. It's probably it's probably a bigger platform than being the quarterback for the Raiders, right? Or you know, fill in fill in the blank of a mediocre uh, Lions or something like that, mediocre NFL franchise. So now it does not give you the financial uh, benefits, certainly. And what Tua is doing in securing his, his financial future, I think, is uh, really important. I do think he has the charisma and the charm that, you know, sponsorships are going to soon flow in, um, you know, if he indeed gets picked where, where I think he will p- be picked and should be picked. Which is where? Yeah. Where do you think he should and will well, be picked? Again, if the medicals come back, right? It's all if. Like nobody right. can really say right now. It's all it's all predicated on that. Um, there was a sense from a pure football standpoint before, even before the ankle injury, which was before that, that maybe Burrow was going to pass him, and Burrow did pass him, and then there was he didn't really have a chance to to duel Burrow there. But like some people were just, I mean, look, quarterbacks. Evaluated quarterbacks, it's the most difficult equation in all of sports, right? I can't tell you how many times I've called around about guys and you just hear crazy things. I made more phone calls about Lamar Jackson. I could we could we could do a whole segment on what NFL people told me about Lamar Jackson. Like move to receiver, he's too skinny, blah, blah. Like you just you you hear it all with quarterbacks. So I had some guys tell me, yeah, you know, they didn't think he was slipping out of the first round, but they thought maybe he was he was falling a little bit and he'd be the third quarterback pick behind Burrow and Herbert. Now people are a little cold on Herbert now too. So it's all sort of, it. it's the quarterback evaluation world. You have to be hot to a, the you didn't answer. You didn't so, answer brother. Wh- Come on, give me a number and a team. Do it. I'd have to look at the, the draft board to give you, to give you a team and where he goes. But I would say this, if the medicals come back, he's gone by 15. Gone by 15. Okay, I think I can totally agree with that. 
There had been talk that he'd go as high as five to Miami. You could see the Chargers at six, Carolina at seven. A lot of quarterback needs in there. Drop yeah. down to what about the Colts at 13? Denver is 15, Tampa Bay 14. So there's a lot of quarterback needy teams in the top yeah. 15. Might not be losing the 20 million that everybody talked about. Pete Thamel, great stuff. Always great to have you. Check out the Yahoo Sports College Sports Podcast with Pete and Wetzel and Forty. Good to have you, my friend. Hey, happy new year, guys. Thanks for having me again. Happy new year to you. And let's talk a little bit more about the possibility of a number five pick to Miami. Maybe tanking for Tua worked out after all, despite those five wins. Let's listen in to our friends down in Miami. Radio.com Red Zone returns. Do the Dolphins use the fourth or fifth or sixth or wherever they end up pick on Tua Tagovailoa? I would say yes, because this whole season was about Tua. They're, they were enamored with Tua. Well, they I, I know until his hip injury. I think you still take him. I'm totally fine with Ryan Fitzpatrick being the starting quarterback next year. You draft Tua. You sit him for a year. You have Josh Rosen be, be uh, Ryan's backup. Uh, and, and you see where that goes. You let the first pick that high, injured, sit out the whole year with this team, what we just went picks. through. You got three first-round picks. I've done this. Teams, I've done this injured picks. thing. It was a couple years ago where we drafted all the injured guys. I, I'm I'm done with the injured stuff. You wonder, okay, is he going to be able to play much this year, or if he does, when would he be able to play? But you know, it's certainly better to get him at five. Again, the key is getting it. Now, the only question was going to be, is somebody going to trade up? And I just get the feeling in this draft, maybe nobody will. Washington, Detroit is in our way of getting to a tongue of Iloa, and I am with you, Hawk. I know I argue with him for about four months now, but I'm 100% with you now after what. Go get him. If it's for 2021, if he has to sit out an entire season. Yeah, he got Fitzy. Go get Tua and yeah. let Fitzy start. I'm with you, but I don't. Washington and Detroit are the two that I'm worried about. I think the Dolphins will be lucky if they're able to get him because remember all the things that needed to happen, like forget about Joe Burrow, all this stuff. We went into the season going tank for Tua. All these things had to happen, and not all of them went right. Radio.com Red Zone continues with 560, the Joe in Miami. I love it. I love Miami taking him at number five, probably because I'm obsessed with Ryan Fitzpatrick, and I want one more year of Fitz magic down in Miami, adding some talent around him and let Tua get healthy. I don't think Tua gets past number seven. See the Chargers or the Panthers snagging him. Quick break here. When we come back, we'll talk about Antonio Brown, the wide receiver, not back with the NFL but is he back in the ring with a YouTube star? And who would you think needs to get the crap kicked out of them in professional sports? Also, Adam Kilgore, Washington Post sports writer, joins us on the joke that has become the Rooney rule and how sad the number of minority coaches are in the NFL. That's after a quick break, Ross. You love Ryan Fitzpatrick. So do I. But I also love ZipRecruiter. They send your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they do not stop there. They have this powerful matching technology, so they're able to scan thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As the applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. That's ziprecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hey everybody, it's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day exclusively on the radio.com app or on the web at radio.com slash home. 
Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.